0: internet friends and welcome back to love-hate relationship an opinionated podcast for opinionated people i'm your host andy bowell and
1: i'm your other host alex ruiz and as always we are here to brighten your day anger your soul and tell you how to live your life in that order and andy we um uh, we have a third person with us today it's not just our asses
0: <laughs> yeah this couch is more crowded <laughs> Oh dear. Can barely fit. So uh,
1: it is my great pleasure, mine alone, only me, uh, <laughs> to introduce our uh, guest host for this episode the lovely, the talented, the fantastic, the brilliant, Mariah Bowell.
2: Hello. Hi. <laughs>
0: yes, it is your great pleasure and yours alone to introduce my wife. <laughs> yes.
1: Hi.
2: Well, she
0: is a lot more than
1: just your wife.
0: That is very okay? true. That is very true. I
2: am my own human being.
0: She
1: is. <laughs> she she has she has an artistic bent. She has a witty bent. She is the one person in our larger friend group who doesn't make me feel like the only motherfucker here who can sit here and just go, "Damn, all these white folks,
0: huh?" <laughs>
2: Listen, Alex and I have a special bond. We already made it planned that if our spouses ever die, we're going to fight crime.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Right. You guys are going to be superheroes. And if it's the reverse, uh, Stephanie and I are just going to have the most vanilla relationship ever.
1: Yep. Yep. Y'all will have a vanilla marriage, whereas Mariah and I will... Here's the thing. The immediate instinct, I think, is to assume that there'll be some kind of weird Batman and Robin thing going on. (laughs) I think it's going to be more like... Remember '90s cloak and dagger, Andy, <laughs> when they were like, when they would just break arms, you know, just and, and like bones would stick out. Like I feel it'd be more like that.
0: Yeah, the Marvel Knights cloak and dagger, where they would just kick ass and take names.
1: I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah,
0: so that's, <laughs> we have an understanding.
2: That vanilla relationship that you have actually plays into part of what we're going to talk about today. It
0: does indeed. It does indeed. <laughs>
1: Oh, damn. Mar- oh, God. Andy, Mariah actually stays on topic. This this might be, this might be troubling.
0: <laughs> well, just once again, we're proving that almost anyone we know is more qualified to be doing this than we are.
2: Oh, pishposh. Uh,
1: he's not
0: wrong. Oh, well. You
1: know?
2: I mean, yeah, if you say it. Oh, wow. You know, this,
1: this, this, is, this is our 12th episode, and, you know, I feel like we've found a half decent rhythm that said i just i've been reviewing the audio for our last two episodes and i'm sitting here going like man we ramble a hell of a lot yeah. eh, i'm good with it but also you know when we originally started this podcast we were like okay all the episodes are going to be 45 minutes to an hour and 15 we haven't had a single one that was under like 65 minutes i don't think yeah. well beyond that just because we can't shut the fuck up
0: so you guys have a lot to say and we're passionate
2: <laughs> you're opinionated opinionated podcast for opinionated people
1: that that is our tagline let's, let's okay, okay. <laughs> i feel like there should be like a little tm thing right. How do you put a tm in audio <laughs>
0: i think it's just a ding <laughs>
1: ding oh, oh oh no andy andy can you work in one of those like you know how after uh, a prescription drug ad there's just a whole bunch of, <laughs> lists oh, yeah. of side effects right. like that's 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 what we can list after mariah says that like just a list of side effects side effects are gas with an oily discharge <laughs> diarrhea and the inability to stop
0: it what the fuck I dig it. I I, I can work okay. with that. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so let's get into uh, why Mariah is here today. Speaking of rambling, let's not. <laughs> so our love for this week is Moral Oral. And can't talk about Moral Oral just as my love because you love it probably exponentially more than I do. Would you agree?
2: I absolutely adore this show. I cannot tell you how excited I am to talk about it because I find any way to shoehorn it into some sort of conversation with somebody new. <laughs> I literally just got my co-worker yesterday to start watching it because <laughs> I was just bringing it up. And I was like, oh, by the way, it's about this and this and this and this and this. And she's like, oh, okay, I guess I have to li- watch it now and see why you're so creepily obsessed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> would you say Moral Oral is your favorite show? Favorite adult show?
2: I would say, yeah, I would say it's probably my favorite adult show. Um, like on the realm of, you know, that whole Rick and Morty and BoJack Horseman. I I love those, that level of humor and I love that adult cartoon aspect. But I would say Moral Oral is probably my favorite of those
0: Types. excellent all right so um just a brief introduction for anyone who is not familiar with the show uh, moral Laurel is a satirical stop-motion 15 minute per episode style cartoon that premiered on adult swim in 2005 and was created by Dino Stamatopoulos that's the most greek fucking name <laughs> oh yeah <ever>. <laughs> right <laughs>
2: that's what I thought too I was like Stamatopoulos Stamatopoulos okay
1: it's, it's, it's just like alternate universe Uncle Jesse from Full House. <laughs> right.
2: Just imagine that he's the one that made this show.
0: That's it. <laughs> uh, so, do you know Stamatopoulos for anyone who is curious? Uh, he's got writing credits that include um, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, SNL, um, the disastrously bad tv funhouse which was on comedy central for a season and he has also uh, appeared in the show community as the character starburns but for me personally he's most well known for moral oral
2: yeah and you know the the whole concept of moral oral it's a um religious satire and that's something that kind of like Drew me into it because my whole background is um, very heavily religious, and I still consider myself a religious person or a person of faith. Um, But this satire, um, which is kind of a, I think it started out as a parody of Davy and Goliath, and I don't know if Mm -hmm. any of you have um, heard about that before. But I watched an episode, and it was god awful. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I think it's it's run by the Lutheran Church or something like that. But um, it's. It's meant to make fun of the cookie cutter white is right Christian nuclear family.
0: Yeah, like the show takes place in a town called Morlton and the uh, the title sequence of each episode zooms in like from the earth and you look at it geographically and it says that Morlton is in a place called State Soda, <laughs> but it's in the direct center <laughs> of the United States, so think like like Bible, Belt. Bible Belt, Tennessee, Kansas, somewhere in two there. Totally two completely places, different places. Andy. But.
1: Tennessee and Kansas are very far
2: away from each yeah. other. <laughs> Wait a second, <laughs> Missouri. It, they, it's literally right next to Missouri in the title sequence, there you so go. you can think about yeah. that.
1: Sure,
2: okay. <laughs> but yeah, so you know the whole uh, tone of the show is it's kind of cut up into two different parts. So the first it's run three seasons, and um, the first two seasons the majority of the first two seasons are comedy um they're very comedy based it's meant on gags it's meant on silly situations that go you know out of hand and then the end of season two to season three shift tonally to the complete opposite end of the spectrum where it's drama and it's dark, and it's gritty, and it's emotional.
0: Heavy. like Heavy. Like BoJack Horseman level heavy.
2: It like jumps like, it's literally just a snap and it changes. Okay. And in that, um, I kind of want to get into at least the, the main characters where, where this whole thing revolves around. And it kind of shows um, how it can change, how it changes from comedy to uh, being so dark. So we're going to start with uh, the patriarch of the whole family, Clay Puppington. He is the father of our main character, Oral. He has a dead-end job as the mayor of Moralton. And the reason I say dead-end is because every single day he'll come home saying he has a dead-end job. And then you find out about maybe the end of season two, oh, he's the mayor of this town. And it's a dead-end job? (laughs) Right. Um, He has a failing marriage with his wife, um, a wife that he doesn't really care about. He never really shows affection to in any way, um, but he likes to have her around to just show that he's doing the right thing by having a wife in the first place. He tries to prove to himself that he's worth something, and he does not like being ignored. And a lot of that stems from issues with his father when he was younger, because his father made it very clear that he's not worth the attention he tries to put out into the
0: world. Right. We're going to try to go into this without giving into too heavy spoilers. Yeah. And I think because we both agree that this is something that deserves to be watched and experienced, not just through us talking about it. Um, the entire show is available on Hulu. And I think to mm-hmm. a lesser extent, if you're willing to hunt for it, YouTube. Yeah. yeah.
2: YouTube and some other aspects, video services. Yeah. You so can find
0: it. You can find the whole thing. You can power through the entire show in a weekend if you're really trying. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, we're not going to try to get into spoilers, but the purpose of this conversation is at least to entice people who are unfamiliar, which includes yourself, right, Alex?
1: Well, okay, so I watched, actually prior to this, uh, I had seen one episode, I'd seen the kind of first episode, Mm -hmm. and then uh, yesterday, while I was folding laundry, Mm -hmm. I decided to watch the first two episodes that are available on Hulu, which include one Christmas special Mm -hmm. and that same first episode, and... I mean, how do I put this? I also love a lot of adult animation. Not all of it hits me, especially a lot of the Adult Swim stuff. A lot of it can be kind of, you're trying something, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know? Mm-hmm. I know, for instance, the Harvey Birdmans and the Sea lab 2020s and the Aqua Teen Hunger Forces never really gripped me mm-hmm. that hard. But, like, I love the boondocks. I love Rick and Morty. Uh, we've... I had BoJack Horseman. That's not a that's not a um adult swim piece but by any means, but yeah. I talked about that. Like I'm a big adult animation fan. I watched those first couple of Moral Orals and
2: uh, that's fine being I on. wouldn't
1: be a, <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't be opposed to watching more of it. I don't know that it's it's a little uh on the nose mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Sure. Like for satire, at least in that that first episode. Mm-hmm. Like, the satire is very, very overt, mm-hmm. and I, I guarantee you, I wouldn't be able to watch, like, five seasons of this.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I know there's three, um, and I know the first one is relatively short. I think it's like ten episodes, at least as far as what Hulu shows, so I'm not opposed to Wait. it. I don't know if it's at the top of my list, but, I'm not, you know, I'm not... Not okay with it i wouldn't call myself a fan okay and
2: i mean that's understandable but at the same time like something that really does grip me with this is you know the the comedy and the satire of it is very it's very blatant obviously for the first you know those two episodes that you uh quoted are i know exactly which ones you're talking about are very much like making fun of any sort of um stereotypical aspect of the you know christian religion and the way that you know certain people take certain situations but the the way that it okay let me see if i could kind of explain this and why it affects me so much a lot of religious satire to me that i have seen in any way is very anti religious and you know if the, it's not an issue of whether or not you have a religion or believe in God. That's not my issue. It's very, you shouldn't have a religion that I've seen in certain, Mm -hmm. um, you know, satires and things making fun of religion altogether. This show, while it's heavily picking on the um, negative aspects of Christianity and like Catholicism and pretty much any faith monotheistic uh religion something that really hits home to me is that it never makes you feel like you shouldn't have one it the thing with oral and uh i'll get into this in a bit when i'm going through his character profile the thing with oral is that he's pure innocence he's pure innocence he's just naive to everything and he's taking what's being taught to him Because this town is trying to steer him in the right direction, quote unquote. But throughout this, like the end of season two and season three, he starts seeing everybody fall around him and starts seeing all of the darkness that they're putting onto themselves by trying to force themselves to be this picture-perfect Christian to everybody else. He's seeing through it all and he's realizing that being a Christian does not mean being perfect and... He realizes that even though these people have their own issues and even though these people are trying to like fake their way through it, he still holds on to the fact that God is still there and he ends up molding the religion to himself to better himself, to separate himself from the adults in that town. And he ends up growing from it and changing. He doesn't turn into his father. He doesn't turn into the pastor. He doesn't turn into anybody in that town. He turns into his own self and allows his religion to mold him to grow up as a regular human being.
0: Yeah, I would go as far as to say that the comedy and the overarching theme of the show is not to attack the concept of religion and the concept of Christianity itself, as much as to mock and highlight the tendency of people to fail the concept of religion. You know, the thing about moral oral is it makes it very clear, especially in the back half of the show, every single adult in Moralton Mm -hmm. has major issues.
2: And it gets deep and dark into these issues. Like with Clay, he's got alcohol. He's an alcoholic, straight up. He's an alcoholic. He's abusive. He's selfish. His mother, uh, Blaberta Puppington, silly uh, names. More
0: Oral's mother. Oral's
2: mother. Yes, yeah, sorry. Oral's mother, Blaberta. She has OCD and she releases her compulsion in obsessively cleaning and organizing the house. She has deep-rooted issues stemming from not being helpful enough in her childhood. And she's pretty much the reason why Clay is an alcoholic. And you can tell she's emotionally numb. She's emotionally just not there. She doesn't, she's not checked in throughout the entire show. And the one moment that she is, she's constantly being rejected. And they also have another son named Shapey. He's seven years old. He's the youngest. Uh, He's a constant danger to himself. He's finding himself in situations where he's, he should be killed. Like there's situations where he has like a knife two inches from his face, and he's just sitting there looking at it laughing like it's a toy.
0: And then when the when the camera cuts to a different scene, you hear him yell, Ow! from
2: the living room. <laughs> <laughs> like, stupid things like that. Um, he's constantly attached to his mom's breast for breast milk, because he's made it clear that it makes him feel comfortable. And in every single episode, he's constantly wanting it. So, in that case, you already tell that this seven-year-old has issues, too. Like, he has issues that he's stemming, like, that are depression and anxiety, and he's attached to his mom to relieve that. And what else? Oh, also, um, this son was replaced by another kid in one episode, and I'll get into
0: that in a moment
2: but shapey was replaced with another kid and nobody in the family realized except
0: oral. And this went oh, on oh. for about a season, an
2: entire season. <laughs> and everybody kept being like, shapey don't do that. And oral's like, that's not Shapy. And they're like, okay, shapey don't do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then
2: we have oral and oral is literally the only bright light in this place. Pretty much. Um, I'll leave him for last, but you know, we have the pastor who is lonely and depressed and, You know, he has his, you know, he has his shit together when he's at the pulpit most of the time, but then he gets home and he just longs for somebody to be with him. And he wants either a wife or a girlfriend or really just to get laid, like just anything like that. Um, We have a nurse who is constantly being targeted uh, sexually by um, the school's principal or even the doctor that she works for. It's, it's just little things like that, that everybody has a darkness in them. And they hide it so well in front of other people, but behind the closed doors you just see that they're broken and dead inside pretty much. It, yeah. It's it's just nothing even with this with the whole aspect of we're moral and we are we're better than everybody else, you know, on the outside, on the inside they're just like everybody else that they make fun of or that they cast aside
0: right it's very much about keeping up appearances there's an instance Mm -hmm. where uh clay and blaberta are going to get a divorce and later on they decide well we're not going to because we don't want people to think that we don't care about our kids and
1: (laughs) and, which is actually a legit thing that happens yes
0: absolutely but otherwise they pretty much openly hate each other and their relationship just It starts going downhill from the word go, and it's a long arc through three seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we talk about how this show has a lot of, uh, it it, it deals into depression, it deals into all different sorts of, of emotional baggage, but it's still a comedy, and I think a pretty funny one at that. So you talked about this a little bit, it's apparent in the first couple episodes, and Really, the running gag of the show is that Oral will take religious parable and doctrine and take it literally and try to literally apply it to his life, usually to disastrous effect. Um, you know, in sure. in the opening show, in the opening episode, um, the message basically boils down to life is a gift and you shouldn't waste. God's Greatest Gift, a.k.a. life. And what Oral takes from this is, oh, all of the dead people are wasting God's gift. And he gets the Necronomicon and starts raising the dead. And he gets in trouble for this, not for raising as much of zombies, but for not clothing them.
2: Mm-hmm, because like, they're all naked.
0: That's what people care about. That's what the adults in the show care about. That is kind of the, the kind of humor he goes into. Sure. Another one of my favorite bits. Um there's an episode where the one Italian family uh, who are called the Figurellis. How do how are they discriminated?
2: Um they're discriminated because um oh man. Oh, oh their skin is different. Because their skin is different. It starts right. like that. And so what happens is that um I guess the message is that people are supposed to be separated. Because like, if, if you're different, it's okay. We're, we're meant to be different, but Oral takes that as, okay, so if you're different, you have to stay different and stay away from everybody, so we're going to segregate you. And he mm-hmm. is trying to do God's work by segregating the Figurelles, but it backfires right. <laughs> in the best way for the figurellies, because... They have their own water fountain now and they have their own restaurants and they have their own home, like special segregation home that's a mansion on the hill and they get to have their own special treatment. But it's segregation.
0: Right. When you try to segregate a minority who is the minority, like the Figuerellis are a family of four, all of a sudden it becomes this weird reverse preferential treatment. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's really funny. No problem.
1: And we prefer the term grows Will you shut up? We do not.
2: But it's just, you know, little things like that. And I think one other one that I have here, which I wrote down was Oral realized what masturbation was for the first time. And uh, when he was confronted about it, you know the—I guess the past—it was pastor. It was the pastor um, uh, Reverend Putty. They call him. He was telling him that you know it's a waste (laughs) to—it's a waste of sperm, pretty much, and you're sinning because you're wasting sperm by masturbating.
0: Right. It's better to let the seed fall into the belly of a whore than go on the ground or something like that.
2: Yeah. And so. Oral does not want to displease God, so what he does is he asks, uh, I believe he asks his dad where babies come from or something like that, and his dad opens a book based off of age and says, oh, uh, God's chef fills women's bellies with special pastry goo or something, so Oral's like, what a good way for me to help God than to (laughs) be his little chef. And he goes around the town in the middle of the night and just has a bag of his sperm, pretty much, and fills all the women with the sperm, and they all become pregnant.
0: Which is terrifying to talk about that out of context.
2: Absolutely. But it's shit like that that goes out of hand because he's so literal with everything that's going on, and he's trying his best to just be good.
1: Right. I'm going to ask you guys, um, have you ever heard of a book called The Year of Living Biblically?
0: No. No, yeah.
1: So there was a journalist uh, a few years ago who, I don't remember his exact religious background. I want to say he was like a lapsed, lapsed Jewish, maybe. I don't remember exactly, um, but he basically did an experiment where he went through the entire Bible and basically highlighted all the strictures, everything that you were supposed to do, mm-hmm. and worked out essentially this list of like these are the things that the Bible literally tells you to not do, to do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And as best he could, he spent a calendar a year, three hundred and sixty-five days, trying to follow every rule he possibly could in the bible
0: mm, Mar, just about everything is a sin you ever sat down and read this thing technically we're not allowed to go to the bathroom
1: it was an interesting experiment came out with a handful of funky little anecdotes okay. um, the story of him not wearing mixed blended fabrics sure. is interesting yeah. There's a great one where his wife to mess with him because apparently there's something in the Bible that says you're not supposed to sit on a chair that a menstruating woman has sat in. <laughs> she sat on every fucking chair in the house. <laughs> Little shit like that. But I mean, the whole premise behind that experiment was essentially an exploration into biblical literalism, mm-hmm. sure. and it was taken very, you know, it's it's silly, but it was ta- treated seriously, yeah. and it. I think he has a whole TED talk about it too, but it sounds like this is trying to do something in that vein, but with extreme satire. Yeah. In the way that only kind of adult animation, especially adult animation playing it on cable at night really (laughs) gets away with. Yeah. I think about this being in 2005 and then going into, I mean, I I finished the last season of Rick and Morty and went, holy shit, that was dark as fuck. (laughs) Like, there are some... I mean, once you get into cannibalistic incest, like, it gets pretty dark. Yeah. And I don't see how you have a television landscape that'll accept something like that without going into some of the things appearing here in this kind of a show.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. I did a little bit of research. Adult Swim soft sold the hell out of the show. There was very little... Uh, advertising for there was there was very little um, just word that it was coming out until it actually was uh, because you know they were smart enough to go, okay, let's look at the content of our show. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get some groups writing us letters about this And they wanted to get their audience before the show really kind of blew up. And I think it's either Dino Stamatopoulos or uh, Scott Adsit has gone on uh, in an interview saying, you know, we weren't ever trying to mock religion. We were trying to mock hypocrites. And I think the show mm-hmm. absolutely does that.
2: Yeah. I think it, ha- it I think it does a good job of doing that, which is why I was so like drawn to it because like I said earlier, it wasn't it wasn't something that made me feel uncomfortable. Like when I was younger, I used to get really, really uncomfortable with anybody who did not agree with what I agreed with. Not that I was like, you know, I didn't want to be around you. It was just like, anytime they made a comment, I would get anxious and really uncomfortable. And I would want to like, like, I don't know, just in me felt really bad. But this, this kind of uh, level of where I'm, I'm seeing this show now. And obviously as I've gotten older, I, it, my stance about a few things has changed, especially I can handle myself. I'm not easily offended. I have my own, you know, faith system. And if you don't agree with that, that's your life. It doesn't affect me. (laughs) Um, But this show, you know, it's, it doesn't make me feel that level of uncomfortable. And it didn't make me feel that level of uncomfortable when I first saw it, because I, I understood the meaning behind it. I first saw it when this came out in 2005, 2006, 2007. And I understood that it's exactly it it was make it was mocking hypocrites and there are many 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 of them out there yeah and because there are so many of them out there it's easy to poke fun at them because when you think of christianity the especially if you're not inherently Christ, uh, christian on your own this is kind of the first family that you think of you think of a white nuclear family that you know it is in the suburbs of Moralton in the bible belt like that's what it, you kind of automatically go to and then all of these situations that they fi- get themselves into are easily e- are easy to poke fun at because it's so ridiculous and you sit back and you can watch it as a ration rationally minded person and you can be like wow that's that's absolutely ridiculous there's no way anybody actually acts like that but it's people do.
0: Yeah, people do. The other the only other anecdote I want to talk about from the show there is an instance where they get some new neighbors um, oh. <laughs> and it is almost a mirror image of the Puppington family. They're called the Posables except uh, instead of uh, like Oral's counterpart as a girl Who he instantly develops a crush on But the dads are the same The moms are the same The younger brothers are the same uh, And they come over for dinner They're having a great time And they, uh, they all do the Lord's Prayer um, <laughs> And you find out That while the Puppingtons are Protestant The Posables are Catholic So... They say uh. forgive our debts versus Forgive our forgive trespasses. Forgive our trespass our trespasses. And the you know, it's it's two words, debts and debtors versus trespasses and trespassers. And those are the only things that are different about the Lord's Prayer if you're saying it in the Protestant manner or the Catholic manner, but that is such a line in the sand that the families <laughs> the families Instantly hate each other and start screaming at each other, and and the Puppingtons kick <laughs> the other family out. The other family moves like as soon as possible. Forgive your debtors, forgive your trespassers. You owe me a bottle of wine. And you know you look at that and you say, oh my god, how funny! And you look at that and you say, oh my gosh, how how funny and nonsensical! And then you remember, oh wait, yeah, like it's a massive stereotype that Catholics and Protestants hate each other or that you can't mix different denominations of Christianity. We've, we've had like, you're
2: loving God the wrong way, which is literally what they say. Like oral is like, dad, why, why, you know, why can't we hang out with them? It's like, oh, because they don't love God the way we do. And yeah, yeah, that's an extreme way of going about it. But exactly.
1: That's a thing.
0: Like we've had wars about that.
1: No, and like, I, and I shit you guys, not like. I think I've told you this story before, but like, when I, me growing up, I could tell people that e- even back when I was Catholic, I could tell people I was Catholic, and the people would respond to me, "Oh, well, I'm Christian," <laughs> because Protestants there are certain views of Protestantism where they say, "No, Protestantism is Christianity, and everything else is bullshit." Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a thing. Totally, that's a thing that exists. I have. I've I dealt with Protestants who've sat here and gone, you're a Catholic, that means you worship saints. And I have to sit here and go, mm-hmm. alright, am I really going to have to explain 1,600 years yeah. of Catholic history to a person twice my age? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's And it's there. It's still there. And, and, and to this day, like, again, not even Catholic anymore, but I'm still, like, I hear that shit, and I'm just like, motherfucker said what? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Don't That's my mama's church. Yeah, right. exactly. just yeah, exactly. where my mama worships.
2: Excuse me, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, there's that level of ignorance that each sect has for one another, and it's just ridiculous because it's like, is it not the same God that you're worshiping? What what's what's affecting you so badly about the way that this person's doing it or this person? It's the same one. Is it not? <laughs> or is there some sort of, like, different entity that we're talking about here? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's just one of the topics that goes through this show. Like, there are so, so many that goes through here. And personally, I I adore this show. I will stand behind it till the day I die. Um, and it's so funny because a lot of people look at me and they're like, wow, you like that show? Like you're Christian and you like that show? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Christian and I like that show. Even, um, you were just telling me yesterday, Andy, that the um, voice of Clay...
0: Yes, right. Uh, so Clay is voiced by Scott Adsit, who is probably the, the most... wonderful Scott The Adsit. wonderful Scott Adsit, who is probably the most famous person attached to the show. Um, you know, he's Pete in 30 Rock. He is... Um, the voice of the robot from Big Hero Six—he's—he's—he's he, he's, he's got some recognition to him, um, but yeah, the, an interesting sco- story is Scott mm-hmm. Adsit showed his sister, who is extremely religious, the first couple episodes, and she really didn't like them, and it was causing such an issue that he was prepared to quit the show um, midway through season two to like focus on his relationship with his sister and you know fortunately for the sake of the show she watched a few more episodes completely changed her stance and was like oh i get it now this works and he was able to stay attached Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think i said it i i said it a few times but the biggest thing that really affects me with this is that it mocks in the right places and it pushes the right buttons but it doesn't it I don't feel like it's making you feel like you're wrong for having the faith in the first place. I like that. That matters to me personally, and I just adore the show altogether. I adore it. I adore it altogether. I love the characters. Clay is my favorite, even if he's, you know, as messed up as he is, he has heart to him. And there's something in there that you just kind of want to, like, understand more of. And he's... Mm-hmm. You know, he's sad, he's upset, he's depressed, and he takes it out in the worst ways.
0: Clay Puppington is a heartbreaking character mm-hmm. and is is right up there with BoJack Horseman as one of the most broken characters in television, in my opinion.
1: So, uh, I, what I think of, as, as I hear you guys describe that particular character, mm-hmm. and really all the adults in here is uh, Andy I know you're a fan Mariah have you ever read or seen Angels in America
2: um okay Andy was <laughs> actually you were talking to me about this recently we started uh reading it together and um kind of mm-hmm. like going over it together but we never finished it so I never got past um what point you years I, ago
0: you so I think you've gone all the way through like book I, one. book one yeah yeah okay so that's my favorite
1: play. Okay. Uh, I've read it multiple times. I absolutely love it. But um, there's a part in there. I forget who Harper's. Ta- I want to say Harper is talking to. I don't think it was Prior. Might have been Belize. Harper is talking to someone, and Harper is a character who you know was born and raised uh, and practices to, you know, varying degrees uh, the Mormon faith. Mm-hmm and she talks about she says it's the only line about where she talks about her past you get very little of harper's past from before she gets married you get her husband talking about how she seemed like kind of a broken person that's all he says and you get harper saying this one thing about her home life being really bad and it seems like there's an implication of Possible substance abuse, possible physical abuse. It's not made explicit, but that's what she's alluding to. Mm-hmm. And she says a line in there where she says something like, people don't think Mormons have those problems. Mm-hmm. People don't think that those houses deal with that kind of stuff. But we do. We all do. Everyone does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, when I, and when I think about Mormonism, you know, I think about, like, the South Park episode where they talk <laughs> about Mormons. Yeah and they're like the mormons are this perfect family mm-hmm. and you know stan is an asshole because <laughs> he wants to shit on mormonism for being ridiculous but it but literally the other mormon kid goes hey it might be ridiculous it might not be real but it works for me i have a really good life and a really great family yep. and i have mormonism to thank for that so fuck you buddy yeah. <laughs> um, i remember yeah. that
2: i remember that
1: so but i so i think about that and you're right when you say this image of a family, this image of you know whatever you want to say, Americana, Evangelicism, mm-hmm. Protestantism, the Midwest or the Bible Belt. In all these cases, you know there there is this stereotype around this or around this ideology, and I don't. I think this show is kind of preaching to the converted, but it does seem to have a take that the converted might want to take a second look at. Yeah. You know, I agree.
0: Because... I, I wish, I wish that that was a more accessible thing. I don't think many people uh, are would many, many people who you're talking about would give the show enough of a chance, which is unfortunate. Yeah.
1: I mean, and that's the thing. It's like he, there's certain there there's people who don't want to venture outside of a certain comfort zone, whether it's for a lack of desire to have their beliefs challenged or just discomfort with material. I guarantee you there are a lot of people who could watch that episode where more, where apparently oral like injects a bunch of women with his semen. That could be highly triggering for a lot of people that has even outside of the religious satire aspect that is a dark, deeply disturbing, deeply disturbing notion. Mm-hmm. Well beyond something like, oh, he got the Necronomicon, he said the prayer from Evil Dead, and he's like he's getting he's raising the dead. Okay. There are people who find, you know, depictions of witchcraft very horrifying, and they're the people who write to their school libraries to tell them to ban Harry Potter. <laughs> and honestly, all of them can, you know, fall on spiky dildos <laughs> but that particular storyline that you just called out like that i I'm not mad at somebody who you know watches that and does not feel comfortable watching the rest of the show yeah because that is rough
0: yeah I agree I mean and it, it's not for everybody um, and there are I, I I think that's probably one of the most upsetting and most problematic um, things that is played for comedy. Most of the other problematic mm-hmm. things are, are played for dramatic drama like, and highlighted as the problematic things they are. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that's okay. Moral Laurel. Um, yeah, Sweet. that's a, a show I very much enjoy and something you very much love. So yeah,
2: something I definitely spend a lot of time on. I'll watch in my spare time, just random episodes. That coming to my mind. But yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I thank you for coming on and talking
2: about it. Thank you for letting me talk thank about
0: it. Oh, thank you for sharing.
2: thank you.
1: Yeah. You you okay to stick around for the rest of this episode?
2: Yeah, I guess.
0: <laughs> we would <I laughs> No, would I'm be, good. I'm here. I'm ready. We would be wounded if you didn't. I'm here. I would be offended.
1: I would be angry and upset and just so not okay if you didn't. I'm kidding. <laughs> You're
2: fine, I'm but. here. We're good.
1: Okay, cool. Andy, so so to everyone out there, the last time we had a guest host, we just stuck to one topic the entire time. This time, we were, we were thinking, okay, let's do a standard episode, have Mariah come in to bring the love, and then Andy and I picked the hate together.
0: That's right, yeah. And I, I feel like I've been uh, hogging the mic a little bit, so I'm going to let you take the lead on this one, buddy.
1: Oh, you're such a sweetheart. Okay, <laughs> so um, after... After getting getting very broad and then narrowing it down a bit, uh, the topic that we've decided to rail on uh, <laughs> for the next—I don't know—we're 45 minutes in, almost. Like, uh, who knows how long this will go? Who gives a fuck? Our topic is vapid movie reboots. So,
0: right. So, vapid. so do you wanna do you wanna define vapid for anyone who's not familiar with what that means?
1: AKA me. I no no not okay you you don't you don't talk about my friend like that mariah even if you are that exact person (laughs) no okay so the distinguishing factor here with vapid movie reboots uh and the reason why we have that uh little extra add-on about specifically referencing vapidity vapidity vapidness I can find um, is in in our my our never-ending quest to talk about things we hate without coming off as purely cynical and and like just ranting assholes who just hate on everything with no real regard for what's good or what's what's actually going well because there are enough of those um, yeah yeah no and I, i'm not i'm not interested in cynicism we're not interested in cynicism. Mm. This show, from its design, we said from the beginning, we don't want to be cynical about this. So we don't want to write off movie reboots as just this useless thing. Thing or this thing that shouldn't exist unto itself mm-hmm. however vapid movie reboots movie reboots that are designed for for my for the purposes of my distinctions rather than just say that you know studios do movie reboots because they're greedy and audiences are dumb which is why they're successful that may or may not be true but that's not my that's not the point I want to get to the real difference between a good reboot and a bad reboot for me personally a good reboot will try to walk that line between between honoring what's really great about an original, and still try to do something new. Yeah. Some of these will come out better than others. Some of, some of the examples that I listed here uh, as just versions of reboots that I think went really well: uh, Twenty One Jump Street, The Muppet Movie, um, Jason Siegel specifically, mm. The Nineties Mummy. Mm. These were. And then there are more middle-of-the-road ones where you can debate whether or not the movie is good, but you can absolutely tell that A, the people making it care very deeply for the source material, and B, they try to do something new. I point to Rob Zombie's Halloween and Peter Jackson's King Kong for those. Hmm. That... Ab- Bad reboot, a vapid reboot. The thing that we actually hate. Those are th- those are movie reboots where they either ignore the source material on all but the most superficial means. Um, so that's your Gem and the Holograms. That's that Will Sasso Three Stooges movie. God, that. Movie. Where they're clear. <laughs> we'll get to it. Where they're clear attempts to just kind of make the thing again uh, in a new, maybe with an updated time period. Uh, clearly with new actors, but nothing new or interesting to say. Mm-hmm. I'd say the thing reboot, which i want to pick andy's brain about that i I
0: have opinions
1: (laughs) yeah and um, the footloose remake uh i think i think was that like it was perfectly competent but it did nothing new and then the worst of the worst of all the worst most vapid of all movie reboots (laughs) are the cash grabs that create mythology with literal no regard to the previous material and just pump it full of big budget actors and effects Uh, looking very specifically at the Transformers Mm. franchise and the Tom Cruise mummy. just
2: Literally the two that came to my mind when you said that too.
1: (laughs) Exactly. These are things that have little to no regard for the original source material. Their quality is at best mediocre. And I I, I don't want to have the conversation of like, oh, Transformers sucks because Michael Bay just likes to go boom, boom, boom.
0: (laughs) No, that's, that's not why Transformers sucks.
1: <laughs> no, Transformers sucks for so many other deeper reasons. And the sequels have increasingly sucked because they haven't learned from any of those things. That said, we haven't given them a reason to learn because we still buy tickets mm-hmm. because maybe audiences are dumb. But just my point is we hate the vapid reboots okay. very specifically. And that's the topic that I kind of wanted to dive in.
0: Dope. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, it really is like... like... The unoriginality of Hollywood is its own separate problem and everything these days is either a reboot or it is a TV show that is being made into a movie or it's a movie that is now being made into a TV show and then you've got what Studio A24 is doing which I point to as like the paragon of original filmmaking and and that is an issue in two of itself but there really are the good ones that... Not not to repeat what you said, but that bring something new to the table or have a different viewpoint or have enough love and care. And then there's the ones that are just... Bad and derivative and 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 playing up on nostalgia more than anything. Hey, you liked this thing. Maybe you're gonna like it again now. I wanna point to the Three Stooges remake, especially because like I grew up watching the Three Stooges. And I know Mariah, your dad, My dad loves, loves the Three Stooges. Yep. And like <laughs> that was a preview. I didn't. I didn't waste my time seeing the movie because that preview alone was enough to just make me upset with what a mindless, heartless, cash grab piece of dreck that was. When your biggest <laughs> joke is Kate Upton is a sexy ass nun and Jersey Shore you've got problems. <laughs> I don't wow.
2: I only remember my dad asking me to watch that movie with him and I said yes because I wanted to make my dad happy but being so miserably upset because it was just it, you can't you I feel like the comedy that they were trying to go for didn't tr- obviously didn't translate well because yeah. they were trying mm-hmm. to put it into modern times. The the gold of the three stooges specifically in this kind of instance is that in that time it was hilarious it worked well the 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 humor was it was silly but it was just something that you can joyfully like laugh at while being put in this kind of situation trying to modernize it and trying to in a way even like a not adult. Um, make it mature. Yeah,
1: well... <laughs> okay, so the thought that I had about that Three Stooges movie was someone basically saw the Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum, Jonah Hill, 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Uh, which is, I believe, Miller and Lord, the Lego the Lego movie guys. Yes. Um, I think they were the ones who did that. Um, they saw this, and uh, we can split hair. I'm sure there'll be some asshole who's like, oh, that's not actually a reboot. That's actually a sequel because... Of the appearance of the original actors. And okay. who gives a fuck? It's a, it's a reboot. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> Sit down. You goddamn fedora. <laughs> um, but uh, someone basically saw that. And did not see, okay, someone has taken 21 Jump Street. Which, did you guys ever watch the original 21 Jump Street, the old TV show?
0: No. It, I barely even remembered it was a thing when the movie came out. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. If you have seen one episode of that show, you have seen every episode of that okay. show. Every episode of that show is, oh, we have these two characters who are really cops, but they're in a high school, and it looks like they've uncovered a drug ring or something, you know, some kind of crime going, or a, or a sports betting thing going on in the high school, and, oh no, we have to make sure that they don't get found out, but they still need to bring these people to jail." It's the same fucking episode every time. <laughs> it's not that great a show. It's fine. It's fine. It's a fine '80s comedy teen show. So people, so Lord and Miller basically took a property that was like an okay, fun concept. Like, okay, like it, it's a fun premise. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's it, and it has a lot of potential. And they basically said, okay, the best part of this is the camaraderie between the two main characters, the chemistry between them, and the overall concept itself. Those are the and, and, and the comedic moments of, oh, these are adults who don't really always know how high school <laughs> is these days. Because right. they graduated like five years, five or ten years earlier. Um, so, yeah. They basically took those couple of good things, updated and modernized them into this new one, and then built a brand new movie around really good actors, really good comedic actors, really solid individual character moments, an overall plot line that really, for the most part, could have been out of any of the episodes, but understood that most of the people watching this probably weren't really big 21 Jump Street fans. They're going to go see it for Channing, Ch- Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. You, oh, right. You have the right to remain an attorney. Did you and... say...
0: That you have the right to be an attorney. You do have the right to be an attorney if you want to.
1: And it fucking worked. Yeah. But what the people who worked on Three Stooges saw was, oh, okay. So we need like more more sexual situations. Mm
0: -hmm. We need
1: like some really some really like get the get the frat boy humor in there. Yeah. uh, As put it in a modern setting. Uh, Okay. What are some properties that we have in our back catalog that we can do this to? Uh, Three Stooges? Yo, can we get that, like, funny face guy from Mad TV? You know, mm-hmm. uh, what's his face? Oh, Will Sasso. Can we get him in there? He could be a great Curly. All right, we're good. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, it- and that was, and that was that.
0: Yeah, and I mean I I could I could pick it to death, you know, if, if for nothing else taking a property that was popular in the 80s versus taking a property that was popular in the 50s and trying to apply that to uh 20aught sensibilities. Um you know, that doesn't work the and and just you can but look at 90s mummy. Look at what 90s mummy. Sure. Have you guys seen the off mummy? Yes, yes, I have. Yes, the the classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, how much of the Karloff mummy made it into the '90s mummy? Like almost nothing. <laughs> yeah. there,
0: there's a mummy that we like dug 5%. up. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. There's like there's a mummy we dug up. I think there's a couple of like homage shots here and there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like the a couple of the catacomb scenes. You could tell they kind of copied the catacomb scene from the original. Yeah. But really, they kind of just took the original conceit and built something really interesting out of it, and took the most updatable interesting parts out of it i mean the best part about that mummy movie was that they basically made an indiana jones movie combined with the Karloff mummy. yeah whole new take oh yeah really interesting take and it worked hey o'connell it looks to me like i've got all the horses hey penny looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river
0: then there's the tom cruise mummy hmm the, the Tom Cruise mummy that I have railed at length about in a secret, locked-off, paywalled episode. <laughs> I kid.
1: Yeah. I think that was our first that practice was, that episode. That was our practice episode. Oh, there, really? there, there is no
0: paywall. You can't give me enough money to produce that. <laughs> but, you know, the the idea between having, an, having a voice and wanting to do something fun, which is the uh, Brendan Fraser mummy versus... Okay, what's big right now? Uh, The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, Cinematic Universe. Let's clue in on those keywords. What can we do with that? Didn't you already have a rant about Cinematic Universes? Yeah, that was the practice episode. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) I know. Let's make a horror Cinematic Universe. Okay. And that's about as much thought as was put into (laughs) the movie.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's the kind of thing where we talk about it being a cynical cash grab. Like, yeah. there's there's no love for the original material. Mm-hmm. There's no desire to really make an interesting narrative point. It's, okay, let's take a hot actor right now or a hot actress right now. So let's put some names in it. Let's put a bunch of special effects in it. Make a giant spectacle. And, because that's what everyone loves about the Marvel movies, right? Like, that they're big spectacles and they're adaptations of previously existing work like that's that's what everyone loves about it right?
0: right right let's waste Sophia Batella and who's big oh Tom Cruise is big okay and sure. uh, and it didn't work that that cinematic universe the the universal monster cinematic universe was shelved because that movie did so poorly you, if yeah. you don't put care and if you don't put thought and if you get short-sighted and just try to make something because you think the name recognition is going to be enough it's going to fail and we've seen that and it's you know so we've talked about a comedy and now an action horror movie it is this is not a genre thing this this is just a filmmaking thing Mm -hmm. and so let's get into um the last example i think is the uh, the 2011 thing, which <laughs> was technically a prequel, but again, the exact it, same again movie. it was it was a remake. It was a it was a. Friggin- you can't <laughs> see my jerk off. jerk
1: off motion right here. It, it,
0: it was a friggin' remake of what is my favorite horror movie. John Carpenter's uh-huh. The Thing is the top of the pyramid for me. I love that movie and. Mm. I you know it's funny I I was working at Halloween Horror Nights and I actually was in a house based off of the Thing remake and saw that movie the year it came out like like a week before anyone else because I was in that so it was it, you know I I I came into this thing so excited and so ready and oh we're going to find out what happened at the Norwegian base and and oh man like the the, the the technical effects have come so far that this is going to be amazing and we're going to see so much cool creative things. And from the word go, it was a problem. From the marketing, it was a problem. My biggest problem with the 2011 Thing movie is that they gave away half of the scares... In the trailer, mm-hmm. and I will never forgive that movie for doing that. When the whole point is that you don't know who's a monster, you can't tell us that. Okay, this person's going to be it. And the, okay, so in the helicopter, this dude's the monster. Uh, in the base, this chick's the monster. N- no, 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 no.
2: Is, is that literally the only problem you have with it, though?
0: No, well, because like, it, there's that. There's the <laughs> fact that it is a. It, it, it is a remake it is a beat it's for almost beat. A,
2: yeah beat for beat shot for shot almost it is
0: a beat for beat plot point for plot point you know they they change the window dressing instead of taking blood samples they check for people's molars and right. like but other than that it is it, it, it it's it's the original
2: how do we change this up
0: teeth right you know oh we can't do we yeah. can't do the blood thing again we can't, uh, we can't have the explosive climax be in the base. We already did that before. Oh, I know. Let's show the, uh, the, the alien ship and let's have the explosive climax be in there. Oh, what was one of the coolest things about the ending of the original thing? You don't know if Childs or MacReady is the thing. What can we do about that? Oh, I know. Let's have this lame-ass twist at the very end where Joel Edgerton is the thing. But let's not make it interesting or exciting. Let's just have uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead notice it and kill him. And, okay, cool. Let's end our movie on a wet fart.
1: <laughs> so so I will compare that to, and I mentioned this previously. And I don't know. I know we talk about this a lot. Anyone who follows us on Twitter knows that we talk about this. But I don't think we've ever actually said it on this podcast. Andy, just as you love the thing... John Carpenter's The Thing just an enormous amount. I love John Carpenter's Halloween. It's like seriously one of my top three favorite movies of all time and it might be number one depending on the time of day. (laughs) And I look at Rob Zombie's Halloween remake which a lot of people hated. It did not... It did okay. He also remade Halloween 2 but I remember watching that remake. A, I enjoyed it. B, whatever you think of it Rob Zombie not only loves Halloween, not only loves like deeply passionately loves that movie. You can see it in every frame of it how much he adores these characters, how much he how much care he takes in crafting them. But he tried something new. You know, a lot of people wrote it off as like, oh, it's hillbilly horror. We don't need why are you Anakin Skywalkering you know, Michael Myers? Why are you why are you giving us his backstory? We don't need his backstory. We want him to be the shape. We want which is what John Carpenter called the Michael Myers character in that movie. Like we want him to be this faceless. That's what makes him so terrifying. And it's like, okay, that is true of the original. If that's all you want to see, go watch the original. Rob Zombie tried to do something new, and I'm glad that he did, because I don't want a beat for beat remake of John Carpenter's Halloween. I have that movie. I love that movie. I can quote you every line of that movie. <laughs> I've seen it two dozen times. Sure. Let me and I've watched and I watched Rob Zombie's Halloween. Maybe I've maybe seen it two, three times. I don't love it like I love the original. Yeah. But I'm glad that it tried something different. I'm glad that the previews did not in fact give everything away. Yeah. I feel like that was an example of a be- whatever you think of it as a movie, it was a better reboot than what they did with the thing, which I agree with you was I mean it was a cynical grab. And if you need no, and if you need more one more example of how it's just a cynical grab, think about the fact that the studio after hiring and paying for one of the best practical effects companies in hollywood one of the last few that is really pumping out quality work handcrafted practical effects after having them go through the full shooting they replaced all of their shit with the most garbage cgi That I have seen Hmm. this side of a PS2, (laughs) Mm -hmm. legitimately, and you can find like if you go on YouTube, you can find like actual comparison shots from the original Practical Studio. Like those, that stuff's on YouTube. (laughs) Their practical effects for that movie were incredible, but the studio just kind of decided, you know, CGI is going to be easier. It's going to be easier to work with. Uh, So fuck you guys. Tossing it out, and this isn't a dig at CGI, but this is a dig at a studio that didn't really care about the final quality of the movie because they knew if they were going to sell tickets, they were going to sell tickets based off of the cast list and the name.
2: Yeah, when there's actual, actual heart and affection and passion for the original material, that makes all the difference for a reboot. Okay, when you're yeah. honestly just trying to remake something because you know it's going to make money and you know, you know, there's there's a certain quality of person who might like this, whatever, that's that's fine. But if you actually are remaking this with the respect for the original material and the respect for the genre of what you're going for, that changes everything.
0: Yeah. yeah. A little bit of heart a little bit. Even of... if it doesn't
2: work fully, even if it doesn't yeah. 100% you know, make a success, it matters and it proves itself. Yeah.
0: Yeah, The worst you're going to get a cult classic, but if you, a a little bit of heart goes a long way. And when you don't have the heart, when you don't have intentionality and you're just making it to make it, it, I feel like it is very obvious and the effect is very blatant. And it
1: is a balance between heart and care and love for the original and trying something new
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know when jason siegel finally got the opportunity to make the muppet movie that he always wanted to make he has nothing but love for those characters mm-hmm. but he made a muppet movie that i've never seen before yeah i've seen all the muppet movies and i've never seen one like his totally different yeah, yeah. but but it was so lovingly crafted and he you can tell he knows his shit yeah you can tell he cares about it
0: and it's funny, compare that to the second one, which was so forgettable, I don't even remember its full title. But Andy, there was a second one? <laughs> there, there was a second one. They made a big meta joke about how Jason Segel wasn't attached anymore. And it starred Tina Fey. And oh, we went to the movies to see that, right? The Yeah, the the dude from Modern Family... Wait, is that the one with
2: the Kermit? The dark
0: Kermit? Yeah, there was Evil Kermit. Evil Kermit the Frog broke out of a Russian gulag and replaced Good Kermit the Frog. And that's about as much as I remember from that movie. Same. Same. (laughs) Dude, guys, I... (laughs) I didn't know this. Was
2: <laughs> that's where all the dark uh, Kermit memes come from.
1: I just assumed that was from some random <laughs> like Muppets episode that I hadn't
0: seen. Like.
2: No. Nope. Well, now you got some homework to do.
0: No. Don't No. Joe, it's not, <laughs> not, not it. I will take a zero on this homework. It is not at all Andy's like, it, no, don't do it. As are about half of the reboots in Hollywood. And that's why we hate them. Ugh so hate the vapid ones especially the vapid ones (laughs) um Uh. so let's close this out as we do uh you know we take something we love we take something we hate and then we take your relationship questions and try to talk through them uh and since we have uh you know our lovely guest host here i think uh i'm gonna read out our question for this week we will give him a name and then let's each try to give an answer and close the sucker out
1: All right. You good with that, Mo?
0: I'm... Yeah, I'm all good with it. Okay. All right. Andy, if you will. Hi, guys. I have a question for you. When I was in high school, I played in a couple of bands, and it was some of the most fun of those otherwise kind of sucky years. I'm closing... Yeah, right. I'm closing them on 30 now, have barely picked up my guitar since then, and really have an itch to start up a new band again. The problem is finding who I want to play with and vice versa. It was easy in high school. I just played with my friends, and we had tons of time, and we already liked each other. So it was easy. How do I build that kind of rapport again with a bunch of strangers? I'm really scared of looking for people who are way better than me, since I'm still super rusty. I also don't want anything super serious. Just casual jamming with cool people a couple of nights a week. Maybe a gig at a bar or something every month or two. Thanks. Yay, friends. <laughs> that...
1: that any. That, that, I added that part to the email. <laughs> that, that.
0: Well, yay, friends.
1: <laughs> oh. You, our lovely audience, just got a view into the kinds of crap that I litter our email threads with when we're creating the notes for this show. Yes,
0: we are very nice and kind and sweet to each other. <laughs> oh, is, it, is, is Mo gonna suck? Like... I mean, we just made her weekend with that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just okay. Sorry. Woo,
0: all right. On. All we're right. Good. <laughs> so
2: we're gonna go first. Ow.
0: My gut is Nigel Tipton. Nigel Tipton from Spinal Tap.
1: <laughs> I don't understand the reference. Oh. Okay. It's Nigel Tufnel. Tufnel.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, then I can't throw stones.
1: Go on. Uh, Nigel, I'll, I'll go with Nigel Tufnell. I'm down with Nigel Tufnell. No, listen. How much is this? Just, it just listen for a minute. Just sustain. Listen to it. I'm not hearing anything. You would, though, if it were playing, because yeah. it really...
0: It... Sure. All right.
2: Nigel. I guess
0: I have to be. Let's go. You, you, don't, you don't have to do anything. Just go. All right, Nigel. <laughs> um, so that definitely is a problem. I feel like meeting new people in almost any search situation in your thirties is (laughs) a big problem. Um, you know, it's, we've talked at length, I feel like how it's hard to meet people and to add another layer of specificity where you want to meet other musicians. I definitely understand your problem. Um, you know, the bit of advice I'm going to give is I'm going to apply something I've seen in my own life Um, There is a production studio in Orlando that I interned for and became good friends with all the guys that work there. Um, And the fine filmmakers at Adrenaline Studios basically have their own jam sesh band. Um, You know, it's a bunch of musically... um, creative guys and it, it just so happened that there was somebody who could play the piano somebody who could drum somebody who could bass yada yada and they post you know just pictures all the somebody time who would, somebody, who could, bass, somebody who could bass somebody who could bass somebody,
1: somebody who Thank could you, somebody who could somebody
0: who could play the bass yes
1: okay clearly i am a baser
2: that's, that's... <laughs> i i bass
0: <laughs> go on anyway Um, You know, these guys, they don't play gigs, at least not as far as I know, but they uh, would often, you know, at the end of the day, just kind of not leave and open up the studio and bring in their equipment and jam and goof around and post about it on Facebook and Instagram. So the way to apply this, I think, is to maybe look where you might not be, specifically in your job or... You know, in your social circle, figure out who else maybe has that same desire, who else has the musical talent to get a jam sesh going and start looking at that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like that. Mariah, you want to you wanna add on your take? You want to disagree with Andy? <laughs> Tack on to him? Tell him he's a little punk? Like, Well, he's
2: a little punk, but not necessarily because of his answer. <laughs> Oh, um you know, I I don't feel like I'm the best person to really answer this necessarily because I'm on that boat of I hate I I hate making new friends. I hate the the work that goes into it. I'm so comfortable in my circle that I don't like expanding because I have, you know, deep rooted insecurities, but that's a different story. Um <laughs> Um but I've learned personally in my life a big um, thing that's helped me branch out more. As as much as people don't want to necessarily always agree with it, work helps. Um, my my job personally, uh, I just started earlier this year, around March of this year, and I've grown to know my coworkers so well and i've grown to know the ones that i vibe with the ones that you know i should probably just you know work is simply the only place that we deal with and then there's other ones that i would love to hang out with outside of work and i've never been so comfortable meeting new people and talking to new people before until this job and i don't know you know what are we calling him? Nigel, Nigel, (laughs) Nigel, Nigel. I don't know, um, necessarily where you work or anything like that. I would say maybe try to start there. If you're comfortable with any of your coworkers, uh, see how that goes. If they already know that you like, um, you know, music, see if there's anybody else who has that same interest in you. If work doesn't even work, (laughs) if work doesn't work out for you or your place of employment, um, I know, I know I suck. Um, I have a friend who actually started a band because she used to go to shows all the time, local shows. Um, that's Clarissa.
0: Sure, yeah. You know,
2: Clarissa, our friend Clarissa, It's she's a big metalhead. Um, and granted, she's not in her 30s. Uh, she's still relatively in her young 20s, but the thing is I don't is think that, age matters. Yeah, I don't think age matters because she was just so into the music scene, always has been, and constantly went to local shows. And grew a rapport with the local bands there. And in that, she started a band with the people, a new band. And it, it didn't, you know, it didn't really go anywhere either, but there were, you know, certain coffee shop, not coffee shop shows for metal, but like... Bars. Certain <laughs> bars, yeah, that they would perform at. There was even a venue, um, a local venue that doesn't, you know, it's a little hole in the wall, but they still performed. And it just, it took time, but... You know, I would say maybe try starting where, you know, your place of employment is, anywhere that you have a lot of social interaction, or then maybe try to branch out into into the show scene, or even go to a coffee shop and see if they have availability to do an open mic or something like that, where you can try something by yourself and see if anybody else approaches you. Um, I would see maybe, maybe try starting there, um... Sorry, I suck. <laughs> no, I was, I was,
0: I was literally no. about to say that's great. You know, I I kind yeah. of jumped over the obvious bit of advice of dive into your local music scene yeah. and figure out who else is in a similar situation. So that's great. Because you're
2: not alone. You're not yeah. alone in that. There's plenty of other people in that same position as you who want to do that. And maybe if you put yourself out there a little more, you'll find them.
1: Yeah.
0: So what are you thinking, Alex? Um... Uh, no, I, I really like
1: Mariah's answer. Um, I'm going to just add some add another dimension mm-hmm. to it. I think Andy and Mo both gave you two pieces of practical advice uh, that I think in most cases will hopefully apply. I mean, obviously, if you work at a shitty place where there's not really anybody you like or yeah. anybody you jive with or just by coincidence nobody really plays instruments that you can work with, you know, that might be the case. Um, and it also might be that you don't really have a great music scene where you are, I don't know, you could live in some you could live in Moralton I don't know, (laughs) who the fuck knows Uh, but I I, I think that those are both two really good practical pieces of advice, I'm going to just add another thought here, because you say that you know, you're kind of rusty you haven't really picked it up in a minute Um, so here's a suggestion that might Kill a couple of birds with a single stone. Uh, Have you looked at lessons? Mm. Have you looked at... uh, Actually, I I know that you play, um, and you've clearly... I mean, if you haven't picked it up for a while and you're concerned about being rusty, one way that you can, A, get more experience, B, just have a little more fun playing, um, is going to whatever you know even if it's going to a coffee shop i guarantee you if there are a handful of starbucks or grocery stores in your area there's probably somebody who's you know smells a little funky probably (laughs) has a name like rainbow star but who will have a flyer up that says you know we i'd give guitar lessons Mm -hmm. 15 bucks an hour 25 bucks an hour whatever um or if you have like a music school i know that there's an actual like there's a in in my area and I'm fortunate enough to have this. I know there's a couple of dedicated music schools that don't just, you know, teach viola to symphonic 12-year-olds. They also will do guitar lessons, singing lessons, things like that. You can go to those spaces. You can get those lessons and then that way you get to practice your instrument, get a little bit better, gain some confidence, but also a lot of those places will also have bulletin boards for people, again, like Mariah said, in your boat, people who are maybe a little bit older, who maybe want to do something casually fun like this, Mm -hmm. you know, you have the advantage that you're not trying to be, you know, a touring musician or something. You're not trying to make this your profession. You're set in your life. You're just looking to have that camaraderie, the really fun experience of, you know, playing music with other people which is fantastic so you might be able to find those folks in that particular kind of community space it's not the full-on music scene but it's like an addendum to it that will probably have more like-minded people so if you could look at something like that lessons or music school um, that aspect of it could be really, really useful going to coffee shops is great Yo, if there was a metal coffee shop, like a metal yeah. open mic at a coffee shop, I would go there in a
0: heartbeat. Feels like there should be, right? Um, it's probably in LA.
1: Probably. Um, so yeah, I would recommend try something like that. And uh, I'll and I'll say this: um, when I was in college, uh, you know, I'd stopped. I hadn't been playing with the bands I'd been with in high school. Uh, when I was in college, I remember talking to a couple of classmates of mine who also played music, and you know, we met up once or twice to try and see if we could jive and maybe start a band. And it never really worked. Um, none of us were really into the same kind of music, mm-hmm. uh, so we had a couple of semi awkward jam sessions, <laughs> and you know, we never we never vibed really, and and it ended up being fine. Like I. I I'm sure they went on to, you know, do whatever. The, I, I don't think they started any bands, but, like, they were in the same boat I was. We didn't really gel, and you might end up having a couple of sessions like that. You might get somebody's phone number, you or you might be talking to a friend, and they say, oh, I got a friend who, you know, used to play drums. Maybe you could, maybe you guys could meet up. You might have a couple of awkward jam sessions where it's just, like, you and your guitar and a drummer, or you and your guitar and a singer, or you and your guitar and a bassist, you and your guitar and a bassoonist. Who the fuck knows? Bassoonist? Um, I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Bassooner. There you go. Someone someone Uh, who bassoons. Someone who bassoons. Um, You might have a few of those. Uh, And it might not work, you know. But, again... You're not in a terrible rush you know you, that'll give you again more time to practice getting back into the habit of playing regularly getting your skills back up and it's just fucking fun and you know even if you have a couple of not-so-great jam sessions and you just know all right these are people I'm not gonna vibe with on to the next mm-hmm. one and that's okay sure. that's all right so you know give yourself give yourself, yeah give yourself that time you're only 30 um I can't tell you how many sports bars I've been to where there's a band of, like, 50-year-old dudes doing crappy Led Zeppelin covers. <laughs> and they're having the time of their they life. They are. Those guys they just love it. love it. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, dad rock band. I'm <laughs> in. Like, that's. <laughs> so, so, yeah. You know, you're not, you're not in any rush. Take your time. Mm. You'll find your people. Just keep at it um and build the practice you know it's not nothing there's no experience quite like playing with a band playing with a group of people mm-hmm. it's you know i i you know nigel if you were if you were here you know I, I, i'm gonna tell you right now i'm in asheville north carolina if you are anywhere near me yo dm me we will meet up we will jam because <laughs> like I don't know where you're from, but like I would love that experience, and I'm sure there are people wherever you are, if you're not around here, who feel the same.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So there we go. Hope it helps, Nigel. Send us a SoundCloud once you get it going up, or don't. You don't. Know, you okay. don't owe us anything. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
2: probably not listen to it. Just oh, I'll I'll
0: listen code. to it if you send it. But
2: oh well. If yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, we hope that helps. Uh, and this has been our show. This has been love, hate relationship. Um, you know, a reminder, if you have a relationship problem, if you are trying to meet other people, or if you are trying to, uh, get away from other people you have met, if you have a relationship problem in any context, in any way, you can send us your question and we will give you our advice. You know, you can send those questions to love, hate, relationship Podcast at gmail.com. We promise we'll read them.
1: You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or even TuneIn Radio. Hi, Mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also tweet us at LHRPod, that's L-H-R-P-O-D, with your questions. And you can follow us to keep up with new episodes. Uh, Mariah, where can they find you?
2: Um, the only place I'm going to allow you to find me is my Instagram. It's Mariah, huh? And it's M-O-R-A-I-U-H-U-H. My Twitter is private, so don't try looking for me.
1: Yeah, don't come after her. We will come after you. (laughs) Exactly.
0: um you can find us at love hate, you can also send questions there find episodes we are working on some ideas to uh find ways to add a little more to the site but for now that's what you can do there if you want to find me i will let you uh find me on twitter uh, i am at jovo two one one three that's j-o-v-o-c-o-p and then the numbers two one one three
1: that's too much to remember <laughs> she said it so that we all didn't have to. <laughs> uh, and I'm a I'm a dunk on both of you. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> and I'm at a underscore x underscore r u i z. Thank you for listening, everyone. Mariah, thank you so much for being yes, on this thank episode. You. Thank you
2: for having me. This was fun.
1: And uh, as always, everyone, please tell your enemies. <laughs>
0: Yay, friends.
2: Yay, friends. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, that was meant for the email.